the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here is your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, friends, thank you for joining us on Come Together San Diego, and it's an honor to be here with John Hamill, John and Jolene Hamill are authors of the book called The White House Watchmen and other other writings as well. John, I'm, I'm going to get right down to it and have you talk about some of the uh, exciting things that are not only in the book that are happening in the written page, but also as God uh, un, uh, unleashes and reveals the spiritual uh, pages of the of the now. Tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind the book, The White House Watchmen, by John and Jolene Hamill. Well, yeah, Kaz, this uh, book is pretty much a, uh, a it it represents. We felt like the Lord spoke to us to write a book that brings a demarcation for this new era of history that our nation and the world is in as of. 2020 and the decade of the 2020s, everything has changed. Well, let's talk about the most predominant things that have changed that you've actually foreseen in the writings of this book, and then uh, we will dig more deeply into it in the next segment. So, okay, uh, everything has changed. What are some of the things that you've been uh, bird-dogging and observing in Washington, D.C. and beyond that inspired the writing of this book entitled White House Watchmen? I think the most extraordinary change that we have seen, uh, we like to call it a turnaround, uh, is uh, the election of Donald J. Trump as president. And uh, for the first time in recent history, we have a a president who openly welcomes the faith community, not just welcomes them as far as, hey, let me just have your votes and I'll see you later on but who actually takes what is brought forward by the faith community and implements it as policy. And, and he's the most pro-life president that we have ever seen. You know, um, I, I believe in at, at least in recent American history, but certainly you can make an argument in American history as, as a whole. People wonder if President Trump is prejudiced and, you know, I've never, ever seen that myself. And I, what I've seen instead is a president who cares deeply about every American and wants to benefit every American. I've seen a president who stands for black lives, even in the womb. You want to make a question, when do black lives matter? When do they begin to matter? Is it after uh, the baby is, is born or is it throughout the adulthood? Can we just kind of throw away the end years? What what does it look? How do we how do we chop it off? And as far as our definition, and really the fact of the matter is, Black Lives Matter from the point of conception. I, I want to just say this: this is really important. 
Um, when you look at this from this perspective, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, was a uh, consultant to Adolf Hitler. She specifically targeted the black race in America with the Planned Parenthood uh, uh, encouraging abortions. And, and for what we are seeing right now, we need to fight for life. There's a w- limited window of opportunity, Kaz, to actually see this, wi- uh, see this shift. And, and we as a nation are being encouraged by the Lord to go through this limited window because the other side of this thing could be uh, an unleashing of a dimension of God's justice and judgment that I don't think our nation has ever seen. Wow. I've had a chance to scan your book, and I know that much of this has actually found the pages of your book. And sometimes it's amazing when God stirs you and you write something down, and I've just completed my fourth book as well. And he stirred me, been stirring me for well over a year, and I I actually got to finish during COVID. But uh, similarly with you, as you look back and you revisit the content of your pages, uh, you go, Wow, how could God have given me that in advance? And he, 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 he's doing that because he's got to get the message out, and he has to have trusted servants to do that. Speak a little bit about that, would you, John Hamill? Yes, it's absolutely extraordinary. We began to write this book uh, actually on Thanksgiving in 2019, and the Lord highlighted throughout 2019 the mandate to partner with him and see an open window for a shift regarding abortion that is is perpetuated generationally from a covenant with death empowering a culture of death to a covenant of life empowering a culture of life we wrote in here about two prophetic experiences i had um one prophetic experience was in the u.s capitol itself uh on the day not the date but the day the tuesday uh the first tuesday of november uh 2019 which would mean one year from then is when America votes. And I, I had an experience like the prophet Daniel. I know it sounds crazy, but I saw a hand emerge from a wall with a gavel. And the gavel struck, and, and it felt like the entire Capitol building shook. And I heard the Lord say, covenant with death and hell and null. And I knew that that was a direct reference. Isaiah 28 talks about God annulling the covenant with death and establishing the cornerstone in its place. I knew this was talking about an open window to shift us from a covenant with death, empowering a culture of death, to a covenant of life, empowering a culture of life. And those who remained aligned in open defiance of God on this issue were going to be restrained. This interview is being done uh, during the Feast of Tabernacles, but it's it's not circumstantial that it just happens to be in this time frame. So many different things happen in this uh, uh, Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, uh, uh, Feast of Tabernacles time frame throughout history, but also uh, Washington, D.C. has its own history in regards to this, too. Other things have happened. I looked in your book, and I saw some dates that were tied to this same time frame. um, In the next segment, we're going to dig more deeply into the chapters of this book called The White House Watchman by John and Jolene Hamill. We think it should be Jolene and John, but that's okay. <laughs> I agree. I think so, too. 
I've had an opportunity to watch them work in tandem with one another, and she's so gracious. She lets her husband say things, and, she's, and, and she comes back like my wife does, and, and as godly women, they go, well, let's tweak here and here and here. And we just have to say, yes, dear, and we go back, and then it's, then it's fully the God thing after it gets completed. Yeah, this is a together book. White House Watchmen is a together book. Jolene wrote two chapters uh, with me, just adding a few paragraphs to complement them. And um, it's it's really been received well. It's actually, today, it's actually number one in Christian prayer in Amazon Kindle. So very excited about this. Well, John, we have about two minutes left in this segment, and then we're going to dig into the, your favorite chapters as well. And I, as I opened this up, I marked a few of them. But, you, you know, you have some uh, editorial freedom as we do this broadcast to be able to say, no, let's go with this instead. But uh, we've got about a minute and a half or so left now. Just kind of an overview about the reverence of the, of the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, yeah. the, the, the shofar blast, and the, the, the Day of Atonement when the books are open, and then this major celebration. What does that mean to Washington, D.C.? What does that mean to America? What does that mean from your perspective, John Hamill? Okay, so it is extraordinary that a very beloved, respected justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, passed on during the opening moments of the Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Trumpets, rather. You got me saying Tabernacles. <laughs> And uh, I think it's very significant. She was a pioneer for uh, so many things, women's rights, civil rights, absolutely extraordinary lady. But we realized uh, with this that her passing opens up the door for uh, a justice to be seated that brings a uh, constitutional uh, understanding of the right to life. And this is an unprecedented moment in history. This is the window that's been prophesied we need to go through. So the window that you speak of in this book, you think you we're experiencing it uh, in 2020, just preceding and into the election time. It, we're going to go a little beyond. But let me just explain Hebraically. Uh, the Hebrews believe that the uh, on Yom, uh, Yom Teruah, which is the Feast of, of Trumpets, also Rosh Hashanah, it's the same holiday, that God pencils in his verdict for individuals, for spheres, and even nations. And between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the, he- the court of heaven is open for us to approach the Lord, humble ourselves before him, and uh, repent and receive a better verdict even than what our actions alone deserve. So I think it's remarkable that this window is open during this time, and God is saying, now choose life. On Yom Kippur... uh, According to Jewish tradition, what is penciled in either is erased and uh, revised or it is sealed. Well, John, I appreciate you, appreciate your book, appreciate your wife, and appreciate the station into which God has placed you. It's a unique place that you have as far as uh, being a prayer warrior and a leader of leaders out of Washington, D.C. And we're talking about uh, John and Jolene Hamill's new book called White House Watchmen, White House Watchman, and uh, we'll talk more about that, and we're going to dig into the pages when John Hamill and I come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. 
And we're back again with my special guest for this entire hour, John Hamill. He and his wife, Jolene Hamill, have written a book called White House Watchmen, and we are digging into the content of that now. I'm going to give it to the person who actually wrote the book, uh, John Hamill, and I'm gonna, there's, there's a chapter in here that I'd like to spend because it's in, engaging, and the chapter is entitled a po- uh, Postponing Armageddon. My goodness, especially those of who are into eschatology, that's a serious statement. Talk a little bit about the chapter and uh, where we are today in light of this chapter, uh, John Hamill. Yeah, I think, you know, um, we started off 2020, if you guys remember, uh, with the um, taking down of Qasem Soleimani, uh, who uh, was one of the primary, if not the primary, terrorist uh, perpetuating terror actions against Israel and certainly the United States of America. Uh, in 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 Iraq, he was one of the people behind the scenes that developed the IEDs that wounded so many of our soldiers and uh, he went on to uh, focus his work on uh, trying to take down Israel and America through uh, really terrorist methodologies and I remember that night when you know the the uh, mainstream media just used the phrase that this could have unleashed this could unleash Armageddon and um you know, instead of unleashing Armageddon, we saw the whole region actually shift into peace. Now there is a peace treaty signed between Israel, the UAE, and Bahrain that President Trump uh, helped to orchestrate and put together. He's up for a Nobel Prize for it. And you look at this and you go, how, how did this happen? And I, I believe the the secret is we have to deal with things in the spirit realm before uh, the natural expressions come. And for that, we need uh, revelation from the Lord and how to pray. And really, for a year beforehand, Kaz, the Lord gave us revelation about how to pray and ask God to restrain the prince of Persia, ancient Persia, modern Iran, to see what their the intentions of the government were as far as war, sparking war and sparking terror, to be abated instead of empowered. And let, go ahead. No. Well, I, I was just saying, we, we used, you talked about this, and my friend, one of the statements that, that John Hamill just made was uh, the spiritual things need to be worked out before we could see it in the natural. You know, there, there's a lot of different scriptures. One of the scriptures says, first that which is natural, and after that which is spiritual. But God gave me a revelation about that, and you just voiced it. And that is, from an earthly perspective, we humanoids who see things from a carnal basis, it is first natural, and then God gives us the spiritual applications. But the closer you get to the throne room, because God is spirit, and he speaks things into reality, the closer we get to him then it is the the uh, the supernatural first and then we see the natural implications and applications of it so by virtue of you saying the the spiritual things needed to be worked out before the natural was seen it tells me where you're hanging out and to, and to me that's a real a high accolade for you and what god's got prayer warriors like my listening friends here uh, involved in we see things in the spiritual and then we see them working out in the natural that means we're closer to the throne room and the creator of the universe who speaks first and then things happen than we are to the earthly realms where we have to see the natural and go, oh, there's a spiritual thing going on. Duh. Would you yeah, speak right. a little bit about that? And let's dig a little bit more deeply into the Armageddon. We've got, we've got six or seven minutes in the segment, John Hamill. Yeah, well, this, this story, Kaz, is absolutely fascinating. 
And really, it begins um, uh, right around New Year's Eve 2018, okay? As we were going into 2019, we were um, uh, at a home on St. Simon's Island that was owned by a guy named Gabriel Speaks. Gabriel Speaks invited us into his home. He rents the, he rented the home out to people, but he invited us in to spend a week on St. Simon's Island and uh, our, our friends Jamie and Radonna Jackson, pastors there, uh, uh, arranged for all this. And the moment we stepped in, just to have a little downtime before ministering on New Year's Eve, Jolene was immersed in the presence of God. She opened her book, her opened her Bible to the book of Daniel. I mean, it just opened to the book of Daniel. I mean, kind of like, you know, just flip it open and look where your eyes are and boom, book of Daniel. And she read Daniel 10.1. Daniel 10.1 is fascinating. It says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed. And that was the, 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 uh, what provoked Daniel into fasting and prayer for 21 days to receive that message and to receive the breakthrough that would literally catalyze the administration that he was serving, the, minist- the administration of Cyrus. And we've heard President Trump is an uh, Cyrus for America, the 45th president. Uh, Lance Wallnow prophesied this and many others. Isaiah chapter 45 uh, is a mandate for President Trump like it was for King Cyrus. And so it really caught our eye, really caught our attention because President Trump was just going into his third year. So we looked up January 20th which was the third anniversary of his inauguration, would you believe there was a blood moon over Washington, D.C. on the very night of his third inauguration? Not just a moon, but a blood moon. You know, my friends, here's the deal. As we get closer and closer to, well, I talk a lot about the kingdom age, John, and you do too, because the church age is on the wane, if not past tense now, and the kingdom age is beginning where we prepare for the ruling and reigning with Christ a thousand years. He's got his kids destined to do a lot of different things, and we need to step up to the plate and do that. I believe this book, which is called The White House Watchmen, written by you and your wife, Jolene Hamill, uh, is a kind of a roadmap of things to be aware of and how to apply our lives in things in the future. Um, You had mentioned um, Daniel's secrets. We want to talk a little bit more about that in the next segment because we're going to dig more deeply into that if there you know there's a number of books that are the the hot topics of the day daniel is one of course ezekiel is one joel is one the scripture is coming true and through right now any uh, thoughts as we have a few minutes left in this segment just with the the blood moon and midnight we knew that god had orchestrated from the very beginning of time for a blood moon to appear over a land that would literally become the united states of america and a beacon of freedom worldwide on the third anniversary, precisely, of President Trump's inauguration, in the third year of Cyrus, a message was revealed. You asked about our book, White House Watchmen. This is the message the Lord gave us during this third year of Cyrus's rule to frame out uh, 2020 and the decade of the 2020s. And, and I want to say that Daniel... This is one of the secrets. Daniel was a man of an excellent spirit. He was sought after by leaders of empires. I mean, when Babylon fell, Daniel was invited to serve King Cyrus. 
and he saw in Cyrus a man who was dedicated to the answers and fulfillment of the prayers he had dedicated his life to, to really make Israel great again. So wouldn't you say that also Cyrus saw in Daniel an anointing that he had to pay close attention to? He was a, a Daniel was a man who kept uh, the promises of God and kept the directives of God. And in, 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 a, in a heathen nations, when you see somebody like that separate themselves just out of pure obedience to God, it commands attention. So a number of things were working in Cyrus's favor to embrace what Daniel was saying. Absolutely. Absolutely, Kaz. He had such a great reputation. And what I want to say is he was sought after by Cyrus. This is a man who's a prototype for White House watchmen today, okay? He was sought after by Cyrus for his wisdom, for his counsel. But he, at the core, as a government servant, was an intercessor. That is what he lived for. He had specific focuses to see, again, the restoration of the Jewish people out of exile back to their homeland. And... This is where we are right now. We have Daniel Cyrus partnerships that are forging a new way forward for our nation. Your book, The uh, White House Watchman, doesn't suggest that you have to be around the White House in Washington, D.C. This is something that can be done globally, but in the United States, uh, there are different areas that are, are just posed and poised to be prayer warriors, and I believe many in San Diego County are among those uh, White House uh, watch men and women as well. So would you speak into this and pray over them in the next minute? And then we're going to continue our conversation in the rest of the hour. John Hamill. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you for the saints of San Diego. Lord, they are treasures before your throne. And we just thank you for calling them forth and set, setting them on the walls for the White House, Lord, for President Trump, but also for many other spheres of authority that uh, the executive branch oversees, specifically and especially the U.S. military. Lord, we are asking for throne room strategies to be released, to bring to birth your covenant promises to perpetuate freedom in a moment where our nation could go one way or the other. We could either align with your covenant and see freedom perpetuated generationally, or we could slide down the precipice towards global governance tied to idolatry that actually robs us of those very freedoms. We just send out the alert now in Jesus' name to take your stand on the wall. Well, my listening friend, uh, thus ends the second of four segments on Come Together San Diego, and this was a declaration and prayer on your behalf, my listening friends, especially those of you who feel like you're White House watchmen, so I really encourage you to get this book, and John and Kaz <laughs> will be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise. Don't just listen to it, be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Hi, San Diego. This is Pastor Larry Peltier of Beach Chapel, Encinitas. Lord, we pray for grace and favor for all of San Diego, all those who are homeless, who are sick, who need help. We just thank you, God. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Well, I'm here with John Hamill, the co-author of the book called White House Watchmen. White House Watchmen, where are people able to get this, uh, John? Uh, you can just go to our website. Uh, that's johnandjolene.us, 
A-N-D-J-O-L-E-N-E.us. Usually, if you just put John and Jolene in Google, you'll get it. So johnandjolene.us. Otherwise, it's also available on Amazon. It's actually today the number one uh, bestseller in Christian prayer on Kindle. Um, And you can also go to uh, Barnes & Noble um, uh, and ask them for a copy. Some Barnes & Nobles are carrying it and very excited about that. So. But our, 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 our website, Kaz, uh, my wife gets the orders and she ships them out immediately. So if you want uh, to get this book quickly, that's probably the best way to do it. Okay, I'm going to cut to the chase here because I, as I scroll down the, the table of contents, there's one thing that just really stands out to me. And it's one that many of us have been proclaiming uh, ever since uh, Trump entered office here. You know where I'm going with this, I bet. But the title of this is in Section 3 of your book, and it's called Drain the Swamp uh, and Secure the Harvest. Boy, especially in the time of the the uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, where it's the grape and olive harvest. This is really an appropriate time. But the the, uh, the the chapter called Drain the Swamp, John Hamill, give us some insights on what's behind that and where we are today in light of that. Of course, President Trump made that statement famous, right? Uh, but um, I had a prophetic experience on uh, over Passover of 2017 after President Trump was set in office. We have a perch that overlooks all of Washington, D.C., and I had a dream where... Uh, Washington, D.C. was superimposed on the Jezreel Valley in Israel. And and it was like uh, from this watchman's perch here, I could see all of Israel and I could see actually all of the United States as well. Dreams are really cool that way. Uh, and when we were superimposed, our watchman's perch was uh, from a vantage point in Israel, having been to Israel, been to the Jezreel Valley many times. It was literally... Uh, superimposed on Tel Megiddo, otherwise known as Har Megiddo, Mountain of Megiddo, or Armageddon. So literally, I had a view from Armageddon of the United States and Israel in this dream. And in this case, it wasn't a, a end-time warning dream. It was an admonition dream. In this dream, we were seated around a, a table, a, a, a number of apostolic leaders And we were plotting together to take the land, to take Jezreel. Now, Jezreel is a legendary place in Israel. It's it's where they call it the breadbasket of Israel, Kaz, because that's where all of the the farms are, all of the uh, moshavs are, the kibbutzes are. Um, And so we were strategizing to take the land, and I saw... Uh, way out in the distance, I thought I'd see a vast army of resistance, right? It was just this one lady with a loose-fitting robe, and she leaned forward. She smiled at me, and she beckoned me to come close. And when I saw that, I turned to my wife, and I said, that is witchcraft. And then I woke up. Wow. What were... Man, this is amazing. Continue the story, John Hamill. Okay, so... Uh, Jezreel means God sows, and it's prophesied in the Bible as a place of harvest. But when we took a tour of, of Armageddon, has great uh, a, a great lunch area, by the way. You can have lunch at Armageddon, really good ice cream there, uh, and a good gift shop. Um, 
we we stop there. You can see Nazareth from there. You can see the places where Gideon lived, the place where Elijah lived, Mount Carmel, the Carmel Range. You, the, just the breadth of and scope of Israel is amazing. So what? Uh, uh, as I began to pray about this, the Lord reminded me of my time on Armageddon, Tel Megiddo, with my friends Jamie Fit and Ed Watts. They're a little bit nuts, admittedly. We take. On-site, we do on-site worship tours in Israel where you're literally on-site worshiping with prophetic worship. And our tour guide told us a story. He said, the whole Jezreel Valley used to be swampland. You didn't know that, did you, Kaz? The whole Jezreel Valley used to be swampland. And uh, when the settlers came back in 48, they had to figure out how to align Jezreel to be the breadbasket that God had called it to be. It's all throughout the book of uh, uh, Hosea and other places. Okay, So uh, the, the challenge was, how do you drain the swamp to secure the harvest? And I knew that was a word for our time. This Washington, D.C. is a vast harvest field. The seeds that have been sown for freedom in this ground are absolutely vitally precious. But it's been overcome by swampland. And in order to secure the harvest of the destiny of uh, the Washington, D.C. and this nation, we've got to drain the swamp. Drain the swamp, secure the harvest. Well, it's amazing, John, as you say this, I'm, I, I track what's going on in Israel very closely as well. And there's a, a scripture in Ecclesiastes, it's a few times, but I'm just going to give it, 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 one of the earlier chapters. It says, that which was, is, and that which is, shall be, and there's nothing new under the sun. So when you're de- declaring the things that happened in Israel and the Megiddo Valley and all the things that are there, and you're uh, identifying that swampland being excavated and, 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 and dried out, and we're looking at, across Washington, D.C., and seeing that, as many proclaim, as the swamp, and God's heart cry is to drain that and make it a fertile fertile land. We've uh, got uh, about three minutes left in this segment, um, and I think we're going to get into the last segment. I'm going to let you tie all the strings together that we have uh, innocently left dangling there. I'm going to have you help me tie those together, but uh, maybe even use the scripture, as I mentioned in Ecclesiastes, that which was, is, and what is shall come. There's nothing new under the sun. It's the same related to the scripture that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So all these things are uh, coming together. What kind of things you want to share in the remaining couple minutes of this segment, John Hamill? What's significant about Armageddon or Tel Megiddo is that it is a watchman's perch. For thousands and thousands of years, the watchmen have gathered. The intelligence community of the armies, if you will, have gathered to look out and watch out over the valley because for generations you would see armies coming to steal the harvest and so um, and, and plunder that area. So we have to understand that even in the end times when he's, God's talking about Armageddon, Armageddon in itself is a watchman's perch from which you view and pray, see our world from a higher vantage point. And I believe God wants to give you, in your own sphere of authority, a watchman's perch. He wants to establish you as a watchman over the garden of your heart, the garden of your life, and your sphere of authority. 
It may look like a swampland right now. But God's going to give you strategies to drain the swamp and secure the harvest that he is destined for you to receive. You are going to shift into a new era of victory. And I will say that Watch, White House Watchmen will equip you not just to pray for the president, not just to pray for the administration or the military or the intelligence community, which we encourage you to do, and our book has vital keys for that, but also to steward your field and see it shift into victory by enthroning Jesus over it, you can see a new way forward, a new era of victory for your life. And we will equip you. Now, this isn't just fantasy. We will equip you to do so. You know, my listening friend, one of the things that strikes me in, in the dialogue that John Hamill uses, he doesn't say, and the church, and some nebulous thing. He says, you. And here's the thing that I get, and you can uh, give me your thoughts as well as we close this segment. This is no longer a thing of some distant future. This is not uh, a thing that's only written in the Word. It is, you know, Jesus said, I must fulfill Scripture. And uh, his body, this may sound strange to you, but his body must fulfill Scripture as well. So as we read what goes on in, in the Word, we're obligated we're obligated to just kind of fulfill this. It's not some, us just doing wishful thinking and going, oh, Lord, someday may somebody... Di-. And you look in the mirror. You're the one that you're talking to. It's, it's you, yours and my obligation to do that. And one of the things that uh, Jolene and John Hamill do and are known for is equipping and empowering the saints. So uh, we're going to talk more about these things. But, you know, we, we during this uh, first three quarters of this hour, we've left a lot of strings dangling in the air. And so uh, John wants to spend some time in the last segment tying these all together and give you a closing message that's going to inspire you. I'm talking with John uh, Hamill, uh, author, co-author, let's just say co-author of the White House Watchmen. And it's a book uh, that you can find by just kind of doing a a simple search and you'll find them and the book as well. So John and I, we're going to tie the loose strings and uh, give you some further inspiration to be whom you've been called to be and move forth in great zeal and power when John Hamill and I come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor on K-Praise. Back again with John Hamill the co-author of White House Watchmen, a remarkable book. But I'll tell you something, this is not only a book for you to read, this is a book for you to implement into your life. And uh, John has spent a lot of time uh, giving some insights of the content of the book, but also in the contents of the book or the contents of Scripture. So I I know you want to tie some things together in this last segment uh, regarding the White House Watchmen. So John Hamill, I'm handing the baton to you. I just want to say that everything we have seen here in Washington, D.C., we've been here eight years, Kaz, and uh, we have seen uh, probably born witness to the most comprehensive governmental turnaround in modern American history. And <clears throat> that word turnaround is very sacred to us. Uh, we've seen these similar turnarounds in Israel as well. And uh, I I just want to say that our whole book is really intuitively focused on this turnaround anointing and what we call the turnaround verdict from Scripture. And if God can turn the governments of nations around, he can turn the governments of your area around. He can turn around the government of California. Don't tell too many people about that. 
but you can position yourself to see a dramatic turnaround first in the spirit getting breakthrough that manifests in the natural doesn't mean it's going to be easy i got to tell you you know we have a 24 7 prayer ministry here we love president trump we pray for him we pray over everything he says during the day and everything he tweets during the night you know i mean it's the but all joking aside um we we've seen tremendous tremendous catalytic change to shift our governance into alignment with god's heart and covenant John, are you saying that God already has embedded people in different strategic places? I'll use the analogy of the seven mountains. You know, there's seven different mountains of influence, and many of the listeners are familiar with that, that God has already installed and instilled them in that place. It's just a matter of simple awareness of the individual and activation. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's, many of you, regardless of where you may find yourself, you're not there by accident. God's hand of providence is on you both to secure you there and to shift you into your future. But so many people don't understand biblically how to partner with the Lord and unleash the turnaround that God wants to bring. And so they're kind of in a stalemate. God wants to shift you from a stalemate to a checkmate. (laughs) We give you principles here in our book, White House Watchmen, shamelessly promoting it. Yours today for... No, wait. Sorry. Uh, No, but we want to just encourage you that there are biblical principles that have... Uh, been applied in individuals' lives, in in businesses, and and uh, in government, where we've seen tangible change. And I love Daniel seven twenty two. That's what we call the turnaround verdict. And, and Daniel seven provides the most comprehensive overview of heaven's court in action. Daniel was kind of like a courtroom scribe in that that chapter, and he recorded some of the most dramatic moments. In, in history, really in the history of law that affect us today. Even he saw the release of Jesus Christ as the Redeemer of mankind. But in Daniel 7.21, the saints were being overpowered by a, a small horn representing an Antichrist spirit until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was rendered in favor of the saints and the time came, Kaz, for the saints to possess the kingdom. For the saints to possess the kingdom. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Who are the saints? Well, look in the mirror. You're among them, but also you are among those who are going to inspire this alteration. One of the things that as I read scripture, it says, you know, it seems like it's a long time, but things can happen quickly when God's kids are on his side. Oh, my gosh. Speak to that, would you? Happen quickly. We have seen whenever heaven's court gets involved, everything gets expedited. So many people, you know, Jesus in Revelation 19, you can see that Jesus renders judgment. He renders a verdict of justice. He judges, and then he makes war to enforce his verdict in the earth. And let me tell you, when you get Jesus and his army involved, where it's, it's, it's his court rendering judgment, and then he is tasked with upholding that verdict in the earth, the, the results are genuinely instantaneous and if they're not we wonder what's wrong what's going on what more needs to be dealt with through repentance as we look through scripture john hamill we see that when god's kids you know we can see this in the old testament when god's kids are on his side and obedient to him then all the surrounding nations are fearful because they know that god is with god's kids and uh, the united states has not been 
uh, among God's kids who are with him much these days. But as we get our heart cry right and understand our calling, uh, this nation can quickly become the the sheep nation it's intended to be, but also uh, this nation is a forerunner and a leader throughout the nations of the world, and we can be that bright and shining light. And I'm just honored to have you here and your book, The White House Watchman, because you're inspiring us to know we are that people that can make the change, but we have to do, and, and you mentioned this, in, in, but you didn't reference the scripture in Second Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name and seek my face and humble and turn their, from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. That's where we are, John, and we need to be obedient to our part of the equation. Well, that's really true, Kaz. You know, um, the Hebrew word for turnaround is actually teshuva. And what teshuva means is repentance. If you look in Acts 3.19, when Peter admonishes the multitudes, repent and return so that your sins will wash away, so that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. The word in Hebrew that he would reference, that was written in Greek, but the word in Hebrew that he originally spoke and would have referenced is teshuva, which means to repent and to turn around. And so your repentance and turnaround opens up the door for the season of refreshing God wants to bring you, which opens up the door for the restoration of his original intention for your life or for this nation. We can see our nation protected and defended. We can see turnarounds come in a way that affect every segment of society. And we are for you and with you for these turnarounds. So we've got about three minutes left. In this. Um, this hour went fast, didn't it, John? It went fast, guys. Well, we're going we're gonna to close this, but we're not going to close the thought. We're just going to close the show because we want you to dwell on this thought and, and to apply this. And the Scripture talks about study to show yourself approved unto God, uh, you know, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word of truth has been delivered to you within this hour. And I'm just praying, and John, you pray along with me, I'm sure, that we want you to rightly divide his truth. And so the only way you can rightly divide this truth is to have an intimate relationship with him through his Holy Spirit, through his Son. And then once you have that relationship, then you can know what's uh, real and you can know, eh, that sounds fishy, I'll put it on the shelf some, for some other day. Thank you very much. But we're, we're getting God's word. And one of the word bearers is uh, John and Jolene Hamill. And uh, this new book called The White House Watchmen, I encourage you to get that. So we have a couple minutes left. I want you to uh, put, you know, we, we left a lot of run-on sentences there without the periods at the end. I'm going to ask you to put the periods at the end of, all, of the points where you see appropriate, and then we're going to close the show. And my listening friend, don't just listen to the show and go, well, that was nice. We want you to discern the, God's word through this show, and we want you to be activated by it. John Hamill? Well, let's close this by looking at the ultimate turnaround verdict. And that is the redemption of Jesus Christ, where his own body and blood was shed so that heaven's court would be satisfied in redeeming us because he took the punishment for the sin that we deserve. And without his shed blood, we would be experiencing his eternal justice, separation from God. Because of his shed body and his shed blood, we literally, he took the punishment for us, and we have been forgiven. That is the ultimate turnaround verdict in anybody's life. And it's the foundation for rebuilding your life and seeing a new way forward for you. And I believe in the same manner 
God's covenant with this nation. We need to align with his covenant. 400 years ago, this November 11th, the pilgrims, my forefather was among those on that ship, among the pilgrims who signed the Mayflower Compact. We committed, they committed the land and government to the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. And I believe that God's calling us back to our covenantal foundations to realign with this invitation that our forefathers originally gave him to have no king but Jesus. And with that, to see the beacon of freedom shine to our nation and to the nations. It must continue to shine, Kaz. Well, friends, there was John Hamill of John Hamill and Jolene Hamill, the authors of White House Watchmen, and uh, it was a joy communicating with them. And we have one whole hour left on Come Together San Diego. I will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ, San Marcos Poway, and K29CR Encinitas, FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego, K-Praise. Come together, San Diego, with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. And it's the last segment for Come Together, San Diego. Jim Barfield, a remarkable guy who is a lover of Scripture, a lover of the Lord. And when you put those two things together... You get fireworks, and we're going to share some more about some of the fireworks that he has received and is sharing that deal with the Copper Scroll Project and beyond. Jim, tell me just very briefly about the Copper Scrolls and what you, the Copper Scroll, and what you see uh, buried there and the immediate impact that this could mean. I mean, we're talking about uh, First Temple and maybe some Second Temple uh, revelations that are buried just under the ground. Just give a brief overview on this, and then we're going to get into the yesterday, today, and forever component, Jim Barfield. Yeah, the Copper Scroll has a list of items, 57 locations with massive quantities of gold, silver, and gems, but more importantly, there's going to be biblical knowledge deep within the grounds of Qumran, if I'm, if I'm correct, but it's you're talking temple treasures, first temple, it's first temple treasures, and even some of the treasures even go back to the time of Moses. If it's true, that's what it's saying on there. And if I identified it correctly, you're talking about the uh, the tabernacle of Moses with all of the implements inside of a cave there at Qumran. And ladies and gentlemen, the possibility is very high. Before we get into this conversation with Jim Barfield, to give you an update on uh, where all this comes from, because Jim spent a couple of different shows on Come Together San Diego with me. Jim spent some time with me earlier, and I'm going to share some excerpts from those shows, from those interviews, from those discussions that will bring you up to speed to where we are right now. And as you listen to Jim Barfield from past discussions with me, you'll realize the times we are in and will appreciate the things that he is going to bring forward in this interview. Before we do, I want to give our friends that are listening the, uh, the, the overview of who the wonderful guy named Jim Barfield is. Now, y- you had an opportunity to do some 
uh, investigative work on this copper scroll, which is really uh, has something to relate to some of the, you know, the book of Isaiah and other artifacts found there, but uh, it's completely different as well. We'll dig more deeply into that, but first give an overview of or really a, a broad brushstroke stroke of uh, Jim Barfield. Lay it on us, Jim. Okay. Well, I'm, I actually, uh, I've got no training in archaeology, got no training in anthropology. Uh, in other words, I am not an archaeologist. I am a guy that uh, loves biblical study. And my field of expertise uh, at the end of my uh, at the end of my career, I was a uh, an assistant fire marshal, and I was an investigator, arson investigator. But uh, I I really I really learned how to do investigation through my biblical research. That that is actually what helped me earn. Uh, firefighter of the year for Oklahoma or investigator of the year for Oklahoma and international uh, investigator of the year. So that's where my expertise comes in. They, I think the, the fire department helped me learn how to do the the, uh, the reports. That was the biggest thing I learned from them. But investigation is if you, if you want to really find out something, you can't limit yourself. And that's one of the things I learned about it. Uh, from from my Bible study. Yes. But uh, I began my professional career uh, when I was 14 years old. I began washing dishes <laughs> at a local restaurant in Oklahoma and uh, washed dishes. I was an assistant chef. I was the, uh, I went from there to the Army, spent uh, 10, almost 10 and a half years in the military. I was artillery. I was uh, uh, I was a uh, crew chief for helicopters for General Ott, General Mayor, General Keith, and then I went into aviation, became a pilot, flew for the 6th Cav Brigade at Fort Hood, Texas, of uh, Charlie 7th of the 17th, C Troop 7th of the 17th, and loved it, absolutely loved my military career. Luckily, I, I got in right after the uh, Vietnam War, and I got out just before Lebanon got attacked. Oh, my, my. Uh, yeah, I just missed the combat uh, portion of it. I was in combat arms the entire time. Wow. But I never I never saw combat. I got rockets exploded around me, and I got shot at by a uh, one of the Cobra helicopters. At the time, it was Cobra helicopters. And uh, it was an accident, but uh, it's still just as scary. Uh, oh, yes. Exactly. It got my attention. But my professional career was not doing this type of thing. But, guys, I have uh, figured out one of the most important scrolls. Uh, I, I would say the most important scroll at this time. Now, once Messiah comes, the other scrolls are really going to kick into high gear and how important they are. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. Sure. But that's basically who I am is uh, and what I've done. Uh, with uh, in a very short rundown on my personal life. Well, Jim, one of the things that I I observe, and this is how God really works. You know, there are people that have, have you know a lot of letters behind their name, the doctorates, and all these different PhDs and all these things. You know, uh, we're seeing this in, in in today the coronavirus. There are a lot of people that have medical sense or research sense, but they don't they can't really necessarily apply it well to real life. And uh, when you get somebody who 
understands and appreciates those things to some degree, but also can apply it to real life needs, it sounds like uh, uh, that person will rise to the occasion. And don't you think, as a as a Christian, as you look back at other Christians, not only in Scripture, but would you say that God tends to like the people that uh, go to the grassroots, i.e. a guy named King David. And I, I see a lot of King David's characteristics with you just going through life, having these disciplines that all of a sudden, as you excavate uh, Scripture and you start to excavate the truths in this uh, the, this uh, document, the, uh, the, the Copper Scroll, all of a sudden things come into play from your skill set that other people go, how did you get there? Want to talk just a little bit about that before we jump on in? Yeah, you know, in, in our our book, uh, it's called The Copper Scroll Project, written by Shelley Nace. She quoted, uh, and I don't remember the guy's name, but he was a, was a, um, a scholar, and he said he thought that the only way this Copper Scroll is going to be figured out, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, is by a guy that thinks outside the box. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. I, I just took the, the information on the Copper Scroll and my laughs, my wife laughs about this every time I talk about it. Is I follow the directions. <laughs> she says, and like, she probably says, "Why don't you follow my directions?" <laughs> oh, yeah, really? I don't like. I don't. I, if I'm putting together a swing set or a, an engine, I usually don't follow any of the instructions. I just, you know, I look in there for the torque values and all that that I need, but I just do it on my own. <laughs> but this time I really did. I, I followed the instructions. I listened to what the, the, the uh, document was saying, <laughs> and it worked out incredibly well. Yes, yes. So let's take a look here. You, uh, the other discoveries, the antiquities and things that were found at uh, in the caves of Qumran, um, were, a lot of them were just actually parchments and things like that, which were very, very fragile. And of course, the copper scroll, which was found there as well, was fragile, but in a different way. So when 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 the the the, the what do you call them, the, the people that were digging into the antiquities and things like that, when they began to qualify and quantify these items, they didn't even know how to uh, approach this copper scroll. It was so different from the other elements there. So how did it come to pass that you got handed that baton, Jim? Well, I, officially, I never got handed anything. <laughs> uh, what happened was uh, they they it uh, they found it in 1952, uh, in in cave three, I believe, and they they couldn't open it. I mean, it, it was such a fragile. I mean, it's literally made out of copper. It's about seven feet long and about one foot wide, uh, and they couldn't unroll it. There were actually two scrolls, but it, they they were supposed to have been one. Um, they the, in antiquity, whoever put this thing together, and I believe I know who it was riveted, literally drilled holes in it and riveted three sheets uh, about um, two and a half feet long, riveted them together, and as they were trying to roll them up, one of them snapped, and which obviously created two scrolls. It's really not the copper scrolls, it's the copper scroll, period. Yes. And they, uh, how I got involved is there was a gentleman by the name of Bendel Jones in Texas, um, I was asked to go visit with him, and he was very kind. He, he and his wife were very sweet. They invited us down, and I sat and talked with him all weekend long. Had a really wonderful time. 
And he began to tell me about the Copper Scroll. At the time, I had no interest in it. It was just a treasure map. Yes. And I I wanted the spiritual, the prophetic. I wanted, you know, biblically oriented. He told me, he said, Jimmy, this scroll has got more prophecy in it than all of the rest of them put together. Do you, do you hear how Jim is explaining how God put him in an environment where he was equipped, but the world may not have thought he was equipped? God is doing that with YOU in a different way right now. You've got some skill sets, like little King David uh, watching out for the sheep, and God's going to be calling on you to do things, and it's going to break the mold, as Jim says, out of the box. And Jim and I will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. And I'm back with Jim Barfield as we excavate this topic of the Copper Scroll Project you're going to begin to realize the depth that is beneath the surface here. <laughs> and Jim Barfield has begun telling the story about the excavations uh, and the discovery of the Copper Scroll. And uh, and people that found this really didn't know what to do with it. It was a Copper Scroll rolled up, and uh, they didn't even know how to uh, open it up and acquire the information. And you introduced us to a guy. Was it uh, Vendel uh, Jones? Uh, Jim? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did he have a nickname like Indiana or anything like that? Yeah, yeah he thought he was Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> so so there you are, and you are meeting with him about the Copper Squirrels, and all of a sudden God began giving you revelation. And uh, to start start that conversation, because this really ends in re- remarkable uh, revelations. Yeah, I, I sat and listened to him the whole weekend, and, and I learned a lot. Uh, some of the things I learned about the Copper Scroll was from him. One of them was that, you know, the Copper Scroll was written by five men. And you can actually see five different handwritings on, this, on the scroll as you examine it. And as I examined it, I could, I could see the differences in it. Well, he also taught me that, uh, you know, he... He taught me that who, at the time frame, he he thought it was at the time of Jeremiah, and I do I do too, and it was very obvious. I I thought all of the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, were written at the time of Jeremiah or before, when you know scholars today, they they believe all the Copper Scroll in particular, and and a lot of the Dead Sea Scrolls were written at the time of King Herod, you know, just prior to that time frame. I I totally disagree. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there were a lot of them that were written around that time, but the real important ones, uh, which I think are in a hidden cave near Kuban, were written by Jeremiah and the men prior to that. So, which, so you're talking about a completely different era. Uh, you're, you're not talking about the, the second temple era. You're talking about the first temple era? First temple era, yes. I mean, and I believe that it was at the time of the Babylonian attacks, when the Babylonians attacked uh, Judea at the time, uh, they they attacked and and all the preparations and and the actual work done on the Copper Scroll was done by five men uh, that wrote the thing. And they, that was uh, Shemur Halevi, Hezekiah, Zedekiah, 
Haggai and Zachary, <laughs> the son of Edu the prophet. So there's two men right there at the end, which I believe weren't men at the time. Now, biblically speaking, they were sons of the commandments. I believe they were old enough to have been bar mitzvahed at, at uh, approximately 12, 13 years old. They, I think they, they were selected because Jeremiah said, Ladies and gentlemen, you are going into captivity. You are going to pay back the 70 years that you did not uh, you did not keep the Shemitah years or the sabbatical years. You're supposed to let the land rest. You're supposed to do uh, certain things. They didn't do it. From the time of King Solomon all the way to the time of Jeremiah, they did not keep the sabbaticals. So God said, I'm going to make you keep them. And besides that, not only that, but they were they were also breaking all the commandments. They were they were you know killing babies. They were just it was horrible, uh, just rotten. So God said you're going to go into captivity for seventy years, and that seventy years he needed a couple of young men on that team so that they would be old enough and young enough whenever they got back from the captivity to be able to find these items. And if they were you know if the people were ready to use them. They needed to be able to find them and utilize them to rebuild the next temple. Wow, wow, wow. So, so let's let's kind of give it a little bit of Bible history here in what you're de- declaring. Because a lot of people do. They put these things in the second temple uh, era. And you're saying that these are actually uh, discoveries that really point to the first temple, which increases their value and interest as well. Uh, it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. But but what, what you're saying is... Okay, so the the uh, Babylonians are ready to see take, pay, do a siege upon uh, Jerusalem and destroy the the temple, um, and so these invaluable documents, including the Copper Scroll, are hidden away in the caves of Qumran, which is just north of the dead, just kind of the northern edges of the Dead Sea. Uh, and they'd stick them into the cave, caves so that somebody could retrieve them uh, after they came back from uh, their 70-year captivity. And so that's what you're saying has been found in the Copper Scrolls. Is that correct? Yeah, and I, and I believe that uh, a portion of the uh, the treasures that are buried at Qumran, were, they were actually used for Zerubbabel's temple. But if you know your history about biblical uh, biblical things at that time frame, the Zerubbabel's temple was a pathetic yes. uh, image of the, the real thing. The Solomon's temple was glorious, and it was just a pathetic. I mean, people even cried. It's in Scripture, so the people cried when they saw the temple because it was not at all, you know, what was there. And uh, they used a portion, I believe they used a portion of silver. There was one spot. Uh, that I'm very familiar with. It was about 60 feet long, best I can remember, and probably about five feet wide and probably five feet deep in silver ingots. Well, that they used a portion of that because not all of it is there. When we tested it uh, with a very big metal detector, me and a guy named Moshe Faglin, we realized that, you know, that stuff is still there. And that, to us, was just incredible. Well, and when my listening friend, when you discover uh, what they have discovered under the ground there, and here's the deal: it's it's not 
fully accessible yet. It can't be excavated because it is not uh, really the purview of Israel. It's really under the purview of Jordan. And so uh, it's not legal for the Israelis to excavate that currently. But if you're familiar with the peace treaty and all the things that are going on today, these days, that is very likely to change soon. And these almost excavations are about ready to be excavated. And uh, Jim... Uh, has a very solid idea because of uh, the metal detectors that they were allowed to uh, run over the the areas there. What he saw directly underground, we're about ready to see some major revelations. So let's talk a little bit. We want to stay in the in the past history here because we're going to devote the rest of the time to the things that as they relate today, and a lot of things that you talked about as far as God's judgment on the people for disregarding the Sabbaths and things like that. Here we are in a coronavirus situation, and here we are forced to obey God's Shabbats, uh, and we're doing it in the intimacy of our own homes. It's almost ironic, and there are a lot of common denominators. So where would you like to take this past history from here, Jim? The possibilities, uh, the the incredible possibilities, because in some of the other documents, uh, there's about five documents that confirm that the Copper Scroll is a real document, and the, the scholars believe that it is a real document. But what was hidden, uh, one of the most exciting things to me, if you read Second Maccabees and you, you understand what was buried inside of the cave at Qumran, uh, you're talking about the tabernacle. And all the implements of the tabernacle. Now, if they don't know what the tabernacle is, it's the tent that Moses took around in the wilderness with him for, you know, the 40 years that he wandered through the wilderness. That, and that's where all the gold and silver came from, I believe, uh, was utilized for this tabernacle was from Egypt. So, so wait a minute, wait a minute here. What are you saying that many of the artifacts that are just underground are, while they're certainly connected to the the temple, but they also are connected to Moses' tabernacle back in the day? Are you saying that that's a very strong likelihood? Are you kidding? Absolutely. No. Yes, I'm very serious about that. Uh, that's like like your your grandma's china, you know, your great grandma's <laughs> china. You know, that's important stuff. So, yes, I do believe that because uh, 2 Maccabees actually says that the tabernacle itself is buried inside of a cave in the vicinity of Qumran, and it was the cave was sealed up. Well, that's the same description that's on the Topper Scroll. That is a large <laughs> cave. The mouth of it was sealed after these implements were put inside of there. And you're talking very important ancient uh, artifacts. Even before, even before the first temple period, my, my oh yeah, before the first temple period, um, uh, Macedon. Uh, what, what do you call what, what's that? The neck, the age previous to that, the uh, um, Macedonia. Uh, what, there's a there's a phrase that you know Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and and those things when and the, and and the children of Israel. Um, that 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 era is just remarkable, and when you think that many of the artifacts or the things that have yet to be uncovered are, are living just under the ground in this area just north of the Dead Sea, it's mind-boggling. Jim and I will be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Capraise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. 
You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on Praise. Joel Lieberman from Tree of Life Messianic Jewish Congregation. Lord, we just do lift up the entire region of San Diego from Vista to Chula Vista. Lord, it says in the Psalms, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. We pray a spirit of unity over our city in the name of Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew. Amen. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. I'm back with Jim Barfield. And uh, I hope you're tracking this. This is amazing stuff. Jim, you know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, that which was, is, and that which is, will be. There's nothing new under the sun. And when you have made and are making these discoveries dealing with the Copper Scroll and some of the soon-to-be excavations, I, I know it's in your mind that the things that, that are about ready to be discovered there not only have uh, preeminence and great significance for uh, the pursuers of the Old Testament and the Jewish people, but they also have tremendous significance for we Christians and not only for historians, but for those who are living life today. I mean, the things are astronomical and they carry so many wonderful benefits for those who are just God seekers. You want to talk a little bit about that? What does it mean, the excavation of these things? And uh, tell us a little bit about the times that we're in right now, how that excavation could be sooner than one might think. Jim Barfield. The potential discoveries at Qumran, based on what's uh, given in the Dead Sea Scrolls and even other ancient documents, they are reporting that the tabernacle of Moses the uh, other uh, artifacts from the the uh, tabernacle itself and from the Temple of Solomon. That's huge. And those things are going to be uh, affect our economy. The amount of gold and silver at, at Qumran is just incredible. And if that is there, it's going to affect our economy. It's going to affect Israel's economy in a huge way. But it also, it's, it's going to affect us, uh, Israel's, footprint, there's a potential that Israel is going to grow by leaps and bounds at that point. Uh, Spiritually, it's going to affect us all. Can you imagine how many people will be in church, how many Jews will be in the synagogue if we actually find the tabernacle and the uh, Ark of the Covenant? They're all going to be full. I had a rabbi tell me that if we find these things, Israel is going to experience a a, uh, revival like they have never seen before. So there's a lot of implications that come from this kind of a discovery. Okay, we talked about the religious and spiritual side. Let's talk a little bit about the geopolitical side of uh, discoveries uh, tied to the, you know, the the copper scroll and the copper scroll project. Uh, I mean, this is going to change the the way that everybody thinks about Israel. It's going to change the way that uh, their neighbors have to think about Israel. It's going to change the way that many Americans and, and even Christians are th- going to think about Israel. Uh, talk a little bit about the impact of the actual excavation of these things, what it might mean on a geopolitical perspective. Jim Barfield. Well, there's no doubt that there's going to be uh, some serious impact in that realm because right now I absolutely believe that uh, Bibi Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, knows about what I'm working on. He knows who I am. Uh, Am I absolutely sure? No, but I tell you what, I've talked to a gentleman 
and made coordinated efforts with a gentleman who works in his office, in Netanyahu's office. He is one of his cabinet members. And this gentleman is was a very excited about the Copper Scroll project and the potential of what we could bring out of the ground. But if indeed those things are, are in the ground, you can expect some huge changes in the geopolitical spectrum because Netanyahu's only got a few more months left as prime minister, and then Gantz is going to take over. Unless something enormous happens, then there's going to be a big change in who in who is running the country of Israel. And Netanyahu is not somebody you want to count out. Not yet. But guys, if, if indeed we find these things... Uh, that whole the whole system in Israel is going to be turned upside down. Talking with Jim Barfield, director of the Copper Scroll Project, and Jim, we talked about a little bit about the geopolitical in a broad perspective. Now let's talk about it from a geopolitical standpoint, as prescribed in Scripture. And I'm not inviting you only to go in the Old Testament. You can visit the New Testament as well, because there's a lot of upheaval and. Uh, what do you want to say, uh, fighting uh, going on uh, behind the scenes about different moralities, uh, different uh, aspects of God and godliness. And, you know, have Muslim perspective, you have Christian perspective, you have the Jewish perspective. And uh, God is going to have his say. God is going to have his day. And discovering these artifacts is going to change the way different people look at them, but there's a lot of things written in Scripture about the end times, the last days, that uh, this discovery could have something to do with. Would you take a look at that from your Bible student mind and give us some insights from your perspective? You can use Old Testament stuff, you can use New Testament stuff, and you can combine the two together. Jim Barfield. Let me just tell you the biggest change that you're going to see and everybody realizes it or thinks about this, but they don't realize it. Here's the thing. It no longer will, uh, will uh, the nation of Israel be under a prime minister. If that happens, we're going to be under a king. We are going to be a monarchy, not a uh, democracy. That is enormous. If you've got a righteous king, which uh, the Messiah will absolutely, no matter how you see him from a Christian or Jewish perspective— doesn't matter because he's going to be a righteous man and you can expect our entire everything in our life will change how we eat how we talk to one another how we deal with one another it's all going to be changed we're going to have a righteous king and that is the biggest thing you can expect uh, from a political standpoint no more politics we're going to have a king Jim Barfield, but between the time frame where we're going to have the king, and, and I believe you're talking about the ruling and reigning of Christ for a thousand years, which is coming soon to a world near you, between that time and this time, a lot of uh, judgment things, a lot of uh, uh, hell on earth things are going to come to pass. Could you speak to that a little bit uh, using your present-day understanding of Scripture. You know, we're in the thick of things right now, Jim Barfield, and having the discovery of those things that are being will be unearthed 
well, via the uh, Dead Sea Scroll directives, that is going to make it very clear in many people's perspectives what is right and wrong. But there are people that are going to ignore that, and there's going to be great turbulence. Can you speak a little bit about the turbulence between this time in which we find ourselves and the ruling and reigning of the Messiah, Jesus Christ? Well, let's look at it from current events. Because there's at least three documents that talk about the Copper Scroll and finding these items. And every one of them says it will be the time of the regathering of the nation of Israel. It will be to the time of the coming of the Messiah. All of them allude to that point and specifically speak to that one point. So let's say that, just for grins, let's say that we've begun the, the last seven years. And again, this is just for grins and for perspective. If that's the case, then I have figured out, with God's help, I have figured out how to understand the Copper Scroll. That means that we're at a time of the regathering of the nation of Israel, which has already been underway now for practically 70 years, I believe, a little over 70 years. And the 10 tribes are going to have to be regathered as well. Now we're regathering the 10 tribes, and that's going to be an enormous thing. And we are potentially at a spot in history where we're going to see we those of us that are alive today i'm 65 years old and i absolutely believe i'm going to see the coming of the messiah i think it's just you know a few years away and just look at all the events all the people all the nations that are involved turkey uh greece uh, russia china guys that's that's all and the United States, for goodness sakes, that is all prophetic uh, nations in Bible prophecy, new and old, that say that, you know, the possibility of this being the time of the return of the Messiah is massive. I'm smiling a little bit because there are when you say the return of the Messiah, <clears throat> the different religions, let's say the three main religions we're talking about uh Muslim, Islamic people, and the Jews, and then also Christians, when you say the coming of Messiah, it may mean something slightly different or significantly different to each. Uh, Play that out. We'll talk more about that when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. And I'm back with Jim Barfield talking about the Copper Scroll Project, but not only as it relates to things of the past, but things of the present and future. When you say the coming of Messiah, it may mean something slightly different or significantly different to each how does that look from your perspective? And I know a lot of this has to be speculative because a lot of things are unfolding right now. But as you see things right now, uh, it seems like you, you think everybody's going to see the same individual as the Messiah. Not so. So would you speak to that a little bit? Because And, and I know that I'm putting you on the, uh, your toe to the line here a little bit, but I'm just asking you, based on your Bible knowledge, do you think, what do you think about the turbulence and, and how one defines who the Messiah is. What what is that going to look like? Pointing out exactly who the Messiah is is impossible at this point, but I'm telling you 
Uh, we can we can know that the Messiah is going to be uh, a righteous man. We talked about that a little bit. But what we really have to watch for are the signs and patterns of who the Messiah is. We have to watch for the signs and patterns of who the Antichrist is. We need to be watching for all these things and not set our, you know, set up camp in one spot and expect the Messiah to come to us. We have got to come to the Messiah, and we've got to be watching for the Messiah. So those, those two key elements are there, but there's two more, the two witnesses. We've got to be on the watch for two men that are going to be spreading the news, and, and, and I consider those like, like John the Baptist, like Elijah, you know, the one that comes before the coming of the Messiah. I believe that's going to be their role. So we looking for a particular individual, I don't do that. Uh, what I look for is who is fitting the role of the Messiah, and more importantly right now, who is fitting the role of the Antichrist. Keep your eyes open. Okay, tough question here, but your insights on this. Would you say in some circles when these things come to pass, because there's a lot of things coming to pass, you're going to have Antichrist involvement, you're going to have uh, Messiah uh, coming soon, you're going to have two witnesses, false prophet, uh, false Messiah, and things like that all happening at the same time. Some people are going to embrace what the Antichrist is doing as being a Messiah character, and because they don't have any spirit anointing or they don't have any um, biblical depth, they might just run around and embrace the wrong person or people. Would you like to speak to that a little bit? We're in vital times, Jim. Yeah, we are. And let me let me just touch on something real quick. A lot of the Christian world looks for uh, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, and guys, if it doesn't happen on your schedule, what's going to happen to your faith? What's going to happen, you need to bear that in mind, is, is look for the Messiah, watch for the Messiah, and I don't worry about being snatched away. I, I, don't, I don't worry about that a bit, because if that's the case, it's going to happen. It's going to happen when God sets it up. But we need to be, be ever aware of where we're at in our biblical history. And I need everyone to watch what's coming because there are things happening right now in our world that are fulfilling biblical prophecy. I have people—yesterday I talked to a guy in a, in a, uh, in a large department store. And I said, you know, we need to be getting ready. Our nation is in trouble. We're going to be experiencing some very difficult times ahead. And he said, yes. He said, I will fight for my country. And this is true. This is a true story. He said, I would fight for my country right now. He said, if I die, I'm going to heaven. And this is a department store guy. And we had a, a powerful biblical discussion right there in, in, the, in the aisles of a store and it was deep, and he looked in my eyes, and he made me feel that he was absolutely serious about it. Jim, your comments remind me of a scripture in the book of Revelation that uh, people use in passing, but they don't really embrace the depth of this. And the Bible talks about, and they shall overcome him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life unto the death. This man that you met in the store environment, he was totally sold out to God and godliness. Uh, if it means uh, 
living or dying irrelevant because the Scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, you know, it's a win-win situation anyway. But a lot of people in the church environment, those of us that just kind of just take a scripture that applies to an immediate need, you know, we don't dig more deeply. We would go, okay, uh, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb, period, done deal. But God says he wants us all in, blood of the lamb, the word of the testimony that we're going to give because we have that relationship, but also not loving our lives unto the death. That's a big swallow for a lot of Christians these days, and it may be a lot a big swallow for uh, Jews as well. Would you speak to that briefly? We're in the thick of things, Jim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, my wife and I prayed about this last night, and we pray about these things very often now. And what I told her was, you realize that if things get really difficult, meaning if our nation goes to an, an eternal civil war, which, ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid that's it's entirely possible. I said, I will defend the country that I that I love and the people that I love. I said, and you need to be prepared, my wife, you need to be prepared to move forward without me. I said, because unfortunately, those things can happen. And, you know, she kind of got teary-eyed, but she agreed. And I said, we'll be together soon. No matter what happens, we will be together soon. So those social upheavals that are happening need to be taken into consideration and under the perspective of Scripture. Not so much what we feel or what we think is happening. We need to compare it to Scripture, and we need to compare it to what's actually happening. And our world, our entire world is being divided. Evil from good, good from evil dark from light and we all need to be all incredibly aware of that and ready for that event and and that's why i look so much forward to the coming of the mashiach the messiah jim barfield i, I want to be very conscious of your time it's an honor to be able to talk with you actually face to face a lot of, all of our other stuff has been long distance and uh, it's really nice to see you see your eyes when you communicate these things. What I would like you to do now as we close uh, this segment and this, this particular broadcast is I want you to put on your ministry cap and I want you to proclaim and pray over our listeners that we have the heart cry to get it right. And when Holy Spirit tells us to do something, we need to be activated immediately. It's not time for... Uh, bantering about or it's not time for passive well maybe we'll do it it's a time for a resolute decision to go with the lord would you uh uh, declare this into our listeners and also pray over us accordingly jim barfield of the copper scroll project i would be absolutely honored sir so if y'all would join with me because this is a national prayer this is a global prayer heavenly father We have reached the most critical time in our nation's history. We are now at a point where we're going to have to decide to take on a new entire nation, a new entire social system. And, Father, it it could be really bad or it could be really good. And, Father, I pray that all these people listening, and I encourage them through you, Father, I encourage them to prepare, prepare their homes prepare their cupboards, prepare their hearts most of all for a very difficult time that may be ahead. And for all of us, we also may be 
considering a lot of different challenges, and those challenges will come, but you have got to remember that there is one Messiah, and that Messiah is going to be coming for all of us, and we need to be prepared for that. Repent. Think about your sins. Think about sins past that you haven't repented for. Repent and prepare yourselves for the coming of the Messiah. Like John the Baptist was teaching to the people and, and pounding the the ground and hollering, repent for the kingdom of God is near. It, ladies and gentlemen, with God as, as, as the commander-in-chief of our lives, repent and be prepared because we have a very difficult road ahead of us. And pray like you've never prayed before. Form church groups to pray. Form synagogues and gather your groups together to pray and be prepared for the coming of the Messiah and for very difficult times ahead. So, Father, I thank you. I praise you for the kindness and the wonderful years we've had before this. And I thank you for giving our hearts the insight to prepare for what's coming. I praise you and I praise your holy name. Amen. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you. Jim Barfield, and I'm so honored to know you, but also that God has put you in this place to uh, move you through the path of the discovery from the Copper Scrolls, Copper Scroll and the Copper Scroll Project, and he has anointed you and empowered you for times such as this. Thank you very much. So we'll see you again next time. God bless you. Thanks for joining Cast Hater and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise.